Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of the SportKite podcast. I am your host, Nick O'Neill, founder of SportKite.org, and I wanted to thank you for tuning in and listening. In this episode, we get the guys together to kind of have a group discussion to answer a handful of the questions that have been submitted by you, the wonderful listeners. This is just the first part of an overall longer kind of chat session we have that I'm going to break up into a handful of different episodes. So do stay tuned to the next few episodes to hear some of the next questions and some of the general discussion that we have. But for this one, we're going to discuss combination tricks and kind of techniques and ideas on how you can perfect trick combos maybe how you can tweak how you're doing it or how you can learn it better or different approaches to kind of better understanding trick combos. So uh, let's go ahead and get into this episode. But before I start, just as a quick reminder, would love it if you went over to our Facebook page, sportkite.org, and you give us a like and a follow. If you haven't already, please consider subscribing to this podcast on your favorite streaming platform. Greatly would appreciate it. And if you like what you hear here, consider sharing this with your friends, uh, with anyone who may be interested in sport kite flying, or heck, anyone interested in kite flying in general. Maybe this will spark their interest into sport kites. If somehow you did not know, we do have a small little patronage program. It's at buymeacoffee.com slash sportkite. Every little bit helps that you guys have donated to keep this podcast and the website going. In fact, it's been uh, doing pretty well and we're getting a lot of supporters and a lot of listeners. So for all of you that have gone ahead and become patrons and donated at some point, we will be sending you out an email in the coming week or so to get your physical addresses so we can send you a personalized little thank you gift uh, just in time for the holidays. All right. So yeah, let's get into this episode with the guys. We're going to have a chat with them, but I will let them introduce themselves and we'll hop right into that question. Cool. I'm Spencer Watson. People know me as Waddy. Um, sport guide flyer, kite maker. Uh, been around for about 17 years or so. Uh, my name's Hunter Brown. I uh, am one of the co-founders of Focus Kite Designs. Uh, owned a kite and kiteboarding shop for about nine years um, back in the 2000s. And um, yeah, still build kites and, uh, and avid flyer. Hi, John McCracken. I am half of Canvas Kite Designs. Uh, I am the, the building half and business half of Canvas Kite Designs. I've uh, been flying and building for uh, about 15 years now. So uh, mostly sport kites. And that's me. And my name is Paul DeBucker. I am a Dutch former current, if there are competitions, former competitive kite flyer, sport kite flyer. Um, co-founder of Focus Kite Designs and current co-owner of Level One Kites USA. And uh, I am Nick O'Neill, host of sportkite.org and this podcast, uh, the other co-owner of Level One Kites uh, USA.com. And yeah. All right. So 
we had a handful of listeners that have submitted questions for you guys that I thought it would be best to have you guys answer uh, with all of the expertise we have in flying, designing, and building here. And the first comes from the perspective of combining tricks. So uh, what are some things you look for while you're trying to perfect a trick combo? Do you focus mainly on the first trick or on the second trick or on the transition? Well, that's an interesting <laughs> setup, isn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure. All of the above. Transition, you cannot make trick number two look good if trick number one exits not so great, etc. Um so it's all the elements, right? It's 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 you wanna make your exit of trick number one great so that you can exit or give trick number two the best possible chance of success, etc. Yeah, Paul, I agree with that. I mean I think I think the first part is is knowing each trick, right? You got to know the things that you're putting together before you can put them together. Um, so practicing individually in, in their own space and their own time is the first bit. Get those down in ideal entries and stuff like that and work on a, a nice clean exit. And then once you have the clean exit, then you can figure out, oh, from this position that I exit out of this trick, I know what other things I can get into from this position and work on getting it into that position. Um, maybe in some cases there can be working on the different entries, like uh, like for instance, like a snap lazy, right? Can is usually done flying horizontally, but I've seen people do it even like flying straight down and stuff like that, where it's like, that's a really different entry. So if you're exiting something that's gonna be pointing down and you wanna go into a snap lazy, you're probably gonna wanna practice that like down facing snap lazy. Um, so things like that, where it's you kind of practice them individually before you put them together is like, I think almost always easier. <laughs> Definitely agree yeah. with with Paul and Spence. Um, Spence, for sure, you have to have some sort of mastery of the first trick before you do some sort of continuation to a second, third, fourth. Um, but having an understanding of, like Paul was saying, having an understanding of how a trick is going to exit and enter into a, a second or third trick is, is vitally important to stringing things together in my opinion yeah i i 100% agree there and you know i mean it's all part of the learning process uh, i agree with what's been said about making sure you know like if you're trying to string two tricks together make sure you know both of those tricks really well and then it's you know okay let me work on now entering that second trick after the first trick and how does that how does that go and then you're know, working as well. How did I then come out of that second trick, you know, to make it all look good and feel good. And for me, it was always just kind of a fun thing of like, I'm maybe I'm good at these two tricks. And it's like realizing that the exit of this one particular trick allows you to set up and, and do the second trick. And maybe it's some cases, it's gotta be a very quick um, reaction there to get that second trick initiated after the first. And it's kind of a challenge, like, you know, do I have the speed and, and, and the proficiency to be able to get that trick to go? And I, that's kind of the way I took, uh, you know, creating combinations and doing combinations. I think one thing that comes to mind um, is about like, when it comes to, to chaining and chaining tricks together is having kind of a platform to work off of. Like I think of two, maybe three primary platforms. 
one is like a cascade, right? That's your series of half axles. You could sit there and you could do that like indefinitely. Another one is Jacob's Ladder, right? Where you're going, you know, uh, in a fade, snap it, turn it into a turtle, uh, spin it, turn it into a fade, right? You could do that indefinitely. Um, and then another one maybe is a comet. You can't really do that one indefinitely because it kind of loses ground typically, but it can still be kind of a central platform. And so this concept of a platform is like, oh, I'm doing this thing. I can kind of step out of that to go and do something else and then step right back into it. So you kind of have like the cascade is a good, good simple starting point where I can be sitting there doing a cascade and then I can go and do a slot machine instead on one of the half axles. And then I can go right, bang, right back into that cascade again. Like there's a bunch of things you can do that stem from a half axle. So just getting that cascade as a base allows you to branch off into other things. Same thing with the Jacob's Ladder. You know, you could throw in some backspins in there. You can throw in, you know, all sorts of different um, different kind of belly-based belly um, tricks from that platform. So having that base really solid where you can get in and out of it and just be comfortable doing that routine over and over again, then you can not really have to think about it, plan about what you're going to do next, do it, and then get back to where you're like not really thinking about it anymore but still doing something. So Spence, what I'm hearing is uh, you're you're viewing that cascade or that that half axle combo situation in place as almost the figure eight of team kite flying. It is your 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 go to maneuver. You keep the rhythm, you keep the the motion going, and you think about other combos from and to there. Yeah, totally. It's like a comfort spot. You can always return to it, and you can just sit there and do that forever and not think about it because you get really comfortable with it, and it, and it chains into a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Do you have, a, say, a trick combo that you think would be the easiest to start with? We'll go with a two-trick combo, not like three or four-trick, but just a two-trick combo that you think would be the easiest for someone to start with that is, say, proficient enough at the basics. And what is a two-trick combo that you think is perhaps not achievable <laughs> like you shouldn't try to go from this to this because the entry and exits just don't line up well i'll go again i guess um <laughs> the the two trick combo for me that is the slickest the most fluid the most uh visually pleasing if you will would be still the jacob's ladder it's a classic and it's gorgeous and it's it's relatively easy to learn um and you can make it look intentional uh, if you if you keep your left and your right drifting in control and if you keep your up and your down uh, dropping and and rising in under control um so yeah jacob's letter is the is is the combo trick for me it's it's the go to um essentially as to impossible combos i don't know that I have an answer for you. Yeah, I would. Uh, yeah, Paul, I would agree. Uh, I think that Jacob's ladder is a great starting point, and then kind of building on what what Wadi said earlier, that kind of comfort thing to come back to. I mean, there's so many great combinations that could come out of it. You can do that Jacob's ladder into just a standard fade, which then can lead into your um, uh, your other maneuvers there. Um, your lazy Susans and, and, and everything there. Um, so uh, a lot of great combinations out of that. I, I think probably one of the first um, 
uh, un, like less 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 standard combos. Like I think of you know Jacob's Ladder as being one of those like kind of core things. Um, so like if you wanted to expand a little bit further from that, I think one of the first things that I did from there was Jacob's Ladder, but throw in a full backspin on one of them, right? And like just little just little tweaks right there where it's like oh now it's not just like a basic Jacob's Ladder. It's like oh you've thrown in some extra frills, um, and that can kind of throw yourself off a little bit and that's a little something to get used to and um but it's not like a big stretch away from a jacob's ladder once you have that and then just throwing an, an extra backspin isn't isn't hugely disruptive um so i do like like that as like a starting point and i think that's kind of one of the first combos that i, I kind of got going um and then like on the half axle side getting kind of getting to where you can combine like half axles and comets can be really nice. We can go half axle comet and then half axle, uh, you know, like I'm sorry, cascades and comets. Um, we can kind of switch, swap between, swap between the two. It's kind of cool looking and just really kind of interesting. Um, so I do like that one, but it can be kind of hard. Like comet is a lot is hard for some people to to pick up on. So getting the transition between those can be difficult. Um, but uh, on the question about like impossible combos, I'm now running through my mind of like different tricks and things and. I can't think of any two tricks that absolutely can't lead into one another somehow. You know, like you can always kind of fudge the exit of something in one way to like make it work for something else. Like, cause like really there's only so many entries, right? There's like vertical or horizontal and that's, that's about it. Right. And so maybe you have to take an extra step, maybe an extra, you know, an extra flare or something to kind of set you up from one thing to the next thing. But um, for the most part, I, yeah, I can't really think of anything that's like, oh no, you cannot go from from this to that. Like, there's a way to do it. It's just a matter of getting used to how to how to go there and getting used to the, to both sides. Um, and some are probably harder than others, but um, yeah. I agree with Spence on the the impossible side of things, and I think the the impossible side of it is there's not people may think that things are going to be that impossible situation, but it may be it not, there may be an extra step from one maneuver into a maneuver, into a, a separate maneuver, you know, so it's not like you're going to go from a comet to a crazy copter immediately. There may be that extra maneuver or extra input in there to get that to happen, to make it look fluid, but it certainly could be possible. You know, it's just not going to be a single input to make it happen. Although it probably could be given how good some people's hands are. So, um, and then, you know, fluid transitions. Spence was talking about cascades and how they can, you know, flow into comets. I really like cascades and slot machines in the middle of them um, with that flat spin rotation intermingling with with the cascade and the half axle in there i really like those so um but it's, it's like paul and hunter were saying it's, it's hard to beat a jacob's letter and and here's the other thing with that right if you if you've got that combo trick and you're working on an expansion on that combo of say the jacob's letter it will force you and i'm so big on this it will force you to to create a clean exit of previous trick before you enter the new trick because otherwise new trick will just not uh, pan out and and if you add like spence said you add a backspin or you add a lazy susan into that jacob's ladder or you add a 
backspin into yo-yo into lazy susan into unroll into fade again and then continue your jacob's ladder whatever however complicated you want to make the jacob's ladder everything you will need to uh be mindful of the exit of everything and you need to be clean and you need to be uh, well for somebody else it would be aesthetically pleasing but if for you as the flyer it's just necessary to uh, to be clean so that you can enter that next trick and continue the combination that you were doing so it serves a dual purpose in that sense yeah paul you're absolutely correct and i don't know if you guys saw it or not but um devin when he was flying in our intention ultralight video um did some jacob's ladder variations and there are some different tricks inside of built into a jacob's ladder where he would vary away from a jacob's ladder and then continue back into that jacob's ladder like you were just talking about and that's a great exercise for flyers to it will even if they don't realize it right that they were sloppy before if you want to try to do a jacob's ladder variation combination whatever the variation is you will be forced to be clean. So in that sense, it is a, a, a great exercise into clean trick flying. So I, I think that brings up a, a nice little topic there on the, the cleanliness of your flying. You know, someone can go out there and just link tricks together in a not so clean way. And it just looks like they're kind of flopping around, which, you know, I mean, we, we know someone, a, a trick flyer goes out there, starts doing a lot of slack line stuff. Got someone's going to walk by and tell you put a tail on it, and it'll fly much better. <laughs> um, but I mean, Paul, w would you like to elaborate on that? Like the whole cleanliness of your flying? That's almost like I'm being set up for this, huh? Um, I would say so. <laughs> it's it's almost like that question we saw recently of precision flying. What is precision yeah. flying? Well, that's yet another question and another interesting discussion, which, as you know, I was not agreeing with the original poster there. But no, I think cleanliness is incredibly important. Um, um, other other flyers have said it before, intentional flying, the intent of flying. Um, we like to fly freestyle. We like to flop our kites around, if you will. It's... Uh, it's really, I don't, I fly with intent or I try to fly with intent. I try to, and even if something goes wrong, I try to make it look like I meant to do it that way. Um, I think it's important. I think it, 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 it shows the difference between a proficient freestyle flyer and an excellent freestyle flyer is how they can link things together seamlessly. Well, Paul, I think another part of that is is composition, right? It's it's about like in, intentionality becomes really clear when you show a pattern, right? There's like kind of a rule of three, like a lot of times, right? Where it's like do a thing, do it three times, right? So that becomes clear. Oh yeah, I meant to do that. It wasn't like two flukes. Like, I did it three times. You know, I meant to do that, right? And so when it comes down to like you know just those simple repeating ones like the cascade or the jacob's ladder you could do them forever and it becomes really obvious that you're meaning to do that right because it just it just keeps doing the same thing it's an obvious pattern um so if you can throw things in in a in a frequent pattern that's kind of nice like one, one of my favorite ones right now is kind of half axle and every other half axle i do a slot machine right and it's this little where it's like oh it fits in like in a pattern it's not just like random throw this throw that throw that it's like 
there's a pattern here and it becomes clear that, yes, I meant to do that. Like even to the uninitiated, you can see the pattern, you know, cause humans are pattern recognition machines. So like that just works great. And then even like, if you didn't intend to do something, as long as you can do it again, <laughs> then it looks like you intended, right? Do it, do it three times. Oh, I made the mistake. Well, let me make that mistake the same way uh, two more times. And now it looks like I meant to do it. Um, you know, things like that, where yeah, composition can help a lot with showing your intention or even pretending that you had intention and you didn't. Yep, I agree. And and everybody, and I hate to say it like that, to be that blunt, but everybody that has had the uh, remark, oh, you need to put a tail on it. You did it wrong. You didn't show in the right way what you were doing and that what, what you're doing was, was intentional. Um, it's okay, more practice, etc. But you can make look trick kite flying very intentional, very graceful, very elegant, and very much purposeful. So again, if somebody tells you you need to put a tail on it, you need to do a better job of, of showing them, essentially. Yeah, and, and both both Paul and Spence, you keep you know using the word intent and intent, intent, intent. Um, I would like to change as much as I love that word. Uh, <laughs> Um, I would like to change that word to control. Um, Spence, you used it in a way where you're doing a trick multiple times to show that you have the control to do it. In my mind, I like to be able to see that, that you have the control to be able to change the speeds of a trick. You know, you can do comets at different speeds. You can do cascades at different speeds. You can do backspins or Jacob's ladders at different speeds. In my mind, when you can do those tricks at different speeds, you have an adept touch. You can be able to control the kite at will. You know what your lines are doing. You know where they are in contact with the kite. Um, and one, it's really cool. There's some videos of Richard Dupre doing some Jacob's Ladder, and he does some insanely fast Jacob's Ladders on Nirvana's back in the day. And then he goes so super fast, and then he just slows them down. And they're incredible. And I just it's fun to see tricks going super fast and then they slow down and then they go fast again. And to me, that's, that's true control. I think Agreed. there's a, an element here that all of you guys have been talking about. Um, so John Spence Hunter and, and Paul, uh, a lot of this intent and control is very, it's highlighted. It's very specific if you're in front of people. And yes, if you're you're flying for yourself somewhat, but I think when you're flying just for yourself and you're out practicing, that there is there is an element of play that needs to happen. You need to push the boundaries. You need to you need to make it sloppy by pushing too hard one way to kind of feel where those edges are. Right? That's that's not something for the stage. That's not something in front of people. That's for your own learning, and that shouldn't be all of your learning. But that's just an element of learning. Yeah, Nick, there's only something to be said about the audience, right? Like, um, I know there's a bunch of times um, where I've been working on something and having a hard time getting it. And then I get it. And, you know, my girlfriend's there with me hanging out. And I go to her and I'm like, oh, I, I got the thing. Did you see it? And she's like, I thought it looked the same like everything else you've done, <laughs> you know? Like, there's definitely a difference in audience, you know? Um, so someone who knows what's going on will maybe get a lot of value out of some of those more esoteric like combinations and things that are like maybe long and complicated and stuff like that. So if that's your goal, then 
yeah, cool. But, you know, I get a lot of pleasure out of that um, when I see it in myself and when I see it in others where it's like, oh, that's really interesting and different. But then anyone else is like, I don't, <laughs> it means nothing. Um, but yeah. Yeah, Spence, if you ask uh, anytime I'm out with Paul and he's been performing the same trick repeatedly, like he's been doing this uh, wingtip stand where he really rocks it back and lays it back on the wingtip. I like that wingtip back stance. <laughs> yeah, I remember you showed me that one, yeah. Yeah, and he's like, see, that one was different. And I'm like, it, it, it looked exactly the same as the last 50 times you did it. Like, I'm not, I, I don't see it. But Nick, I'm when, guessing your response is, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you guessed correctly. That's great, no, dear. Yeah, good job, honey. Um, no, usually it's uh I, I've tried to get him to describe more of what's going on. Like why was that one better? Right? Because I, I definitely the first few times that I've seen this wingtip stand rock back thing that he does, uh I, I was like, I, I don't get what you're doing. What are you doing? Why are you doing this? He's like, see, I'm balancing it. It's amazing. And I've got this amazing control. And I'm like, oh, okay. That's cool. Yeah. That's that's what I'm saying when I'm doing uh -huh. it. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's a great example, though, of even with uh, great intent, you know, Paul is, is flying with intent and he's doing something very purposeful, but as an audience member, if I was in the general audience, that wasn't necessarily connecting with me because I, I didn't get what was happening. Now, if that had been placed into a routine and it was punctuating some piece of music or, or something like that, I would probably get it then, but just by itself didn't make sense. Uh, necessarily to me as an audience member. So. First of all, Spence, I did not like you uh, smirking at all on that one. And uh, second of all, yes, it does take amazing control. <laughs> but Nick, to your point, in that situation, when Paul is flying and doing those tip stands, are you really Paul's audience? Or is Paul Paul's audience? John, you're you're one hundred percent correct. Uh, I just happen to be a bystander at there that point. Uh, sometimes I'm filming, sometimes I'm I'm doing whatever. So I'm not I'm not necessarily his intended audience. Correct. Yeah. So his intentional flying is for himself. Yeah. Yep. That's I a, I really feel like we've gone down an a different you know path however i think it's really important it goes back to what we were just talking about about who is your audience what you're talking about nick paul's out there flying for paul trying to do whatever paul wants to do for paul and whatever kind of you know <laughs> gets gets him joy at that moment so however you take paul yep. and and anyone i think and you go put them well not anyone you go put them in front of a crowd to do a performance paul's going to fly very differently and try and do different things in that moment. So I think audience is important. I know we've gotten way off of this combination topic, but yeah. You know, Us off topic, really? <laughs> and here I only came with a handful of questions <laughs> instead of a whole bunch of them. Hunter, um, I really don't feel like you fully appreciate the deep laid down wingtip stand here, <laughs> but I, I, I do get your point. 
It's okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, So I kind of, uh, one of the little notes I took while we were having this, this discussion of trick combos, Uh, we somewhat mentioned it, but I just kind of want to, you know, pull it apart a little bit more is uh, to help with those transitions between tricks. Uh, It sounds like everyone was kind of saying that it really helps to practice changing up the entry and the exit of each trick in itself. So, you know, say your cascade, you practice the entry and exit of your cascade and you practice the entry and exit of your slot machine and you you change those up a little bit and see where you can wiggle before you marry the two together, correct? Correct. All right, uh, what else might help people with kind of marrying two tricks together? Kite position. <laughs> Physical position of where the kite is in relation to yourself or the window. Um, That's visually, that's how I do it. Um, I know some people do it by feel, um, but I know my kite needs to be in a certain position visually for me to be able to continue it. If that makes any sense. Like if I'm going to come out of a trick and link it into a TAS machine, I know my nose needs to be away from me and in a certain position and I need to have a certain visual cue on the back of the kite before I can make my next input for the kite to rotate. Well, and I, I agree with you, John. I think that's, I think what you're talking about for one being position in the window, but also position of the kite's key. And also that's where I think that fun creativity comes from of you don't have to link a trick necessarily at the end of another trick. I mean, let's just make it more, some of the maybe more fundamental or basic tricks, but you know, the fun of you're doing a slot machine and realizing that there's a certain point in that slot machine where my kite is basically nose away, belly down. If I hit it right at the, at the time, I can now combine that into a fade, which then allows me to link that into those other tricks that come from the fade. Um, but having that fun of my kite is here in this position during this trick, I can now link it to something else. And that's where that fun creativity, creativity of, can I make that happen? One thing that's been coming to mind for me as well is like there's some bits that I feel like are just kind of these really small transitionary tricks that are really used to like move from one setup to another. Um, Like, for example, thinking of getting to a fade, right? You can get to a fade by flying straight down, flaring out into a pancake and then pulling it into a fade. You can also get into it from a half axle. You can go the half axle gets you into that pancake and then you can flip it into a fade. So like understanding different ways to get to some of those fundamental positions is really useful. Um, Like same thing with how to get to a turtle. Oh, I could do a snap, you know, a snap and lay it back. I could do like a two pop. I could let it lean forward and pop it off the ground like you would in um, in a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The, not a coin toss, Uh, flapjack, that one. Um, right. You can, so there's like different ways to get to these fundamental positions. And so understanding those little, those different ways to get there is really useful. Um, or even how to exit out of like a lazy Susan, you can exit out of it sideways or you can exit out of it upright, depending on when, when you pull your hands equal and, and, and when you, when you pull out of that. Um, so those little transition bits of knowing how you can get into, in and out of things in different orientations is really useful because then I can go from cascade to a Jacob's ladder like seamlessly because I can just go, Oh, my cascade, I want a half axle, just flare it and 
put it into fade instead. And oh, and now I can do eject the ladder. So those little transitionary bits of how to how to do those things, those are going to be useful. Yep, quarter axle for the win, and in, 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 in all those situations, really. All right, so thank you for tuning into this little chat we had with the guys. I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, do stay tuned because we're going to continue this chat answering a handful more of the listener submitted questions in the next few episodes. By the way, if you have a question you would like answered or just kind of a topic or a comment or maybe you have a story you would like to share here on the podcast, shoot me an email at info at sportkite.org. Would love to hear from you. Love to hear what you think. Uh, if you'd like to see something specific on the website or on this podcast, let me know and I'll work on making it happen. All right. Thank you so, so much for tuning in. I really, really love that uh, we got to share this little bit of kind of kite flying funness together. So don't forget to hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. Give us a like and a share as well. And yeah, let's get out there and go have some fun. I'll see you on the beach. Bye.